0: Let me just grab my phone real quick because Kaysen's book comes out tomorrow, and I need <laughs> to buy a copy to support Kaysen.
1: There you go. Yeah, if you're listening to this on the day it comes out, Kaysen's book comes out tomorrow. If you're listening to it later, Kaysen's book is out. Larkin Kasim start a revolution. Go buy it and then listen. Well, listen to the conversation first because we don't really give out spoilers, and then go buy the book. It's awesome.
0: Enjoy. Oh, I oh I start. It's up to you. Do you want to start? I'll start. I'll start. <laughs> Welcome to One More Thing with Jay and Robert.
1: I'm Jay. And I'm Robert. One More Thing is a podcast that examines and celebrates pop culture through an LGBTQ plus lens. with a prolific author who is going to share with us their name, their pronouns, and how they identify, which can mean anything you want it to mean.
2: Um, I'm Kayson Callender. I use they, them pronouns. Sometimes he, him pronouns identify as Black, West Indian, Afro-Caribbean, neurodivergent, a boy non-binary, and I say queer because that is the one label that constantly fluctuates it depends on the day i feel like
1: that's a really good answer (laughs) most people are just like i identify as a man but (laughs) that was great
0: well oh Oh. well hi my name is robert oh right we have to do it (laughs) i i use he him pronouns and i identify as gay
1: i'm jay i use they them pronouns and i identify as non-binary and transmasculine So, Kaysen is the author of, I'm going to list them Hurricane Child, King and the Dragonflies, Moonflower, This is Kind of an Epic Love Story, Queen of the Conquered, King of the Rising, The Audible Original, Sunset Springs, Felix Ever After, and the book we're here to talk about today Lark and Cossum Start a Revolution.
2: I didn't realize I wrote so much. That was, <laughs> <laughs> it was kind of like tiring listening.
0: <laughs> And we're obsessed with all of it. <laughs> We've been looking for books like this, and then we were obviously first introduced to Felix Ever After. And we're like, oh, we have to get <laughs> we have to get them on the show. It's perfect. Yeah. So thank you for joining us. Yeah. Thanks for inviting me.
1: Speaking of Felix Ever After, I'm gonna read the publisher's weekly official summary of it for our listeners. Felix is attending an ultra-competitive arts summer program to have a better shot at a full scholarship to Brown when someone posts Felix's dead name besides photos of him pre-transition in the school's lobby. Felix's plot to get revenge throws him onto the path of love and self-discovery. Which is true. That's, that's what the book is about. They got it right. <laughs>
2: that's a pretty good summary.
1: <laughs> this book, uh, met, I think, I feel like we might have posted about this book before on Instagram. I think so. Yeah. Because when we first read it, we were like, oh, we had been looking for so long for stories about queer and trans people that weren't like heartache and strife. Although there is heartache, I would say, in Felix Ever After, but that's just a part of life. Just a book that was like, the trans and queer people get a happy ending and no one dies. And so we were like, that's what this book is, like that's everything we've ever wanted. And Time agreed, because it is one of the 100 best young adult books of all time, which is amazing.
2: Yeah, it was a big honor.
1: How did it feel? when? Did you find out about it when the list came out or did they email you? Or
2: um, Yeah, I found out when the list came out. I was also on the panel of judges for creating that list. Um, but I, of course, didn't vote for myself. So I wasn't able to see that Felix was even in the running until the list came out. And then suddenly I was like, oh, the other judges voted for me. That's so nice. <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's so sweet. That's really sweet. <laughs> and the, so I, th- I think this is the coolest thing in the world, what I'm about to say. I texted Robert and David about it, and they were like, cool. And I was like, you don't understand. This is the coolest thing in the world. So when you announced Felix Ever After, you used that announcement to debut your new name. Yeah. Which is is like the, I'm serious, I think it's the coolest, it's like the most badass thing anyone has ever done.
2: Yeah, I mean, when you put it that way, yeah, I guess it was kind of cool. I was doing it more as a logistical, like, my next book is coming out, so I need to have... (laughs) And it's like perfect timing. I might as well say what my new name is, but I'm gonna go your route and say that that was a purposeful, like badass move. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's actually how I like came to find the book because you told me about it, and I was like, oh, after after you oh, after you explained yeah. it, I was like, oh, maybe I should read this. And we had just read um uh, the Black Flamingo. Yeah, And I was like, yes, this is like the perfect next book to read after coming out of that. And then obviously fell in love.
1: I forgot that I had actually known about that before Mm -hmm. and been excited about it. That's very on brand for me to be excited about something, forget about it, and then be excited again when I learn it again. (laughs) We're just touching on Felix Ever After to give our listeners like a backstory, but Stand With Trans, if you're a longtime listener, did a feature on Felix Ever After that you can check out. I don't have a link or a way to access it because I forgot to put that in the document, but they did. You can just Google Stand With Trans Felix Ever After. And if you're a longtime listener, you'll know that Stand With Trans was one of our guests last season. Roz from Stand With Trans. Roz Hart. She's amazing and so great. And I'm sure she did not herself do the feature, but we love Stand With Trans and we're thrilled that Felix Ever After was featured on them. Have you ever heard a podcast that you loved. Hmm. Just like name one that you love.
0: Oh, um, my dad wrote a porno. No, you're
1: supposed to say us. (laughs) Oh,
0: oh, the one that comes to mind would be One More Thing with Jay and Robert.
1: It's so great, right?
0: It's my fave.
1: Yeah, me too. And I was wondering, hmm, thinking, how can I give them some money? And I looked it up, And the answer is that I can become a patron at patreon.com slash one more thing at the $1 level or the $5 level, and there are different perks for each level, and you'll just have to sign up to see what they are. And I can also PayPal them a one-time donation at number one more thing podcast at gmail.com on PayPal.
0: Wow, I have to run and go do that. You know what? The phone that I'm listening to this podcast on, I'm just going to do all of those things. Perfect. In a row.
1: Perfect.
0: And then I'm going to keep listening to this brand new episode brought to you by One More Thing.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Now, the book that we're here to talk about, Larkin Cossum Start a Revolution. I know I'm gesticulating a lot. I don't know why.
2: Oh, that's okay. I
1: want to say, though, it's Christine.
2: That's what I... That's yeah. what I
1: thought it was, but then I watched a YouTube video, and they said Qasim. And I was like, oh. Uh,
2: yeah, there probably are a lot of different pronunciations. I'm going with Kasim.
1: Kasim, great.
0: You heard it here, everybody. It's Qasim. <laughs> the official
1: pronunciation is Larkin Kasim. Starter Revolution, which comes out September 27th, and we got an advanced copy <laughs> of this book. I read it in like a day and I have like all kinds of flagged pages and like highlighting and just like all kinds of stuff. Then I gave it to Robert who read it and did not take any notes because my notes were so detailed. I'm going to read another synopsis. Lark Winters wants to be a writer, and for now that means posting on their social media accounts, anything to build their platform. When former best friend Kasim accidentally posts a thread on Lark's Twitter declaring his love for a secret, unrequited crush, Lark's tweets are suddenly the talk of the school and beyond. To protect Kasim, Lark decides to take the fall, pretending they accidentally posted the thread in reference to another classmate. It seems like a great idea. Lark gets closer to their crush, Kasim keeps his privacy, and Lark's social media stats explode. But living a lie takes a toll, as does the judgment of thousands of internet strangers. I didn't realize how long this summary was till I started reading it. Lark tries their best to be perfect at all costs, but nothing seems good enough for the anonymous hordes or for Kasim, who is growing closer to Lark, just like it used to be between them, dot, dot, dot. In the end, Lark must embrace their right to their messy emotions and learn how to be in love.
0: Yeah. So what would you say coming out of Felix Ever After brought you to write this book? Because I feel like in a lot of ways it had a lot of the things that I loved about Felix, but itself was so different.
2: Yeah, I I think of Lark and Kasim as kind of like Felix Ever After 2.0 in terms of like theme and in terms of delving into more... um, about, like, you know, I felt like Felix was about learning that you are worthy of love and Larkin Kasim is about, okay, now how do you actually practice self-love and how do you, um, how do you take those steps to actually feel what loving yourself is like? Um, and I also felt like it was 2.0 in the sense that, you know, I think you might have started out the conversation by saying, like, Felix Ever After kind of, um, had like almost like the basics. I, I can't remember exactly what you said, but I, I did I did feel like I was kind of like paving my own way in some ways with Felix Ever After, like having to explain what it's like to be a trans person in this world. And then Larkin Kasim was like, all right, explained it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> One thing I loved about the beginning of Larkin Kasim is that you don't introduce Kasim as trans ever. Mm-hmm. You know, like I feel like in most Books, I don't know why I put air quotes around books but in most books it would be like Kasim, my trans man friend went to the stairs um, but in this you just mentioned like he's not binding today and I was like that like really deeply moved me as a person who has bound for a long time, doesn't anymore audience doesn't need that detail I was just like that's a great way to introduce a character and we know that he's trans and we don't care that he's trans.
2: Yeah, exactly. Like I felt like Felix, I definitely was writing um, the book with this people in mind, knowing that if I just kind of like threw the story out there, it would be rejected just on the basis of, Oh, I don't understand what this means and I don't relate to it. And I am grateful that so many Swiss readers have been like, thank you so much for writing this book. Now I understand my child better. I understand my friend better, but you know i did write that book wanting to like celebrate trans people and i felt like larkin Christine was an opportunity to be like all right we're now the we we are the norm like i'm not going to write this for anyone but trans and non-binary people who already understand that what our life
0: is about which is a, one of the things that i loved about both felix and this book where it's not just like the main character or the main supporting cast are specifically trans or specifically anything. Every character you meet just kind of unlayers another part of the gender spectrum. And by the end of the book, I, both times I was like, wow, there were like no cis people in this and I didn't even notice. Like they're all yeah. just characters and it's so lovely.
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean the one that's, maybe cis character and i like kind of purposely in the end decided not to um no asha is this also but sable i was like i kind of wanted to leave it in question of whether she was trans or cis and not really saying whether she was or not um i also was mindful of not wanting to take the space of trans femme black writers where we really are not seeing um as many of those stories as we could or those voices as we could so I didn't really want to take that space, but I also was purposefully like, in the same way that Kasim just happens to not be binding, you have no idea whether Sable is cis or trans, really.
1: I love that.
0: The next question I feel like I should take as uh, as oh. I work outside of here in social media. Yes. So <laughs> <laughs> something that this book does, and I don't want to go too far into s- plot spoilers for everybody for when they go buy this book in September. But social media plays a huge part of this and going viral, which Jay and I have had the unfortunate experience of uh, going through. I'm curious as to what your relationship is with social media and how you wanted to portray that in the book, both as a person yourself, but also an author.
2: So as a neurodivergent person, I, there's like multiple things going on in my head right now. So I kind of like it's a little bit of a fandom, but I feel like it is ultimately connected to um, kind of still in response to the first question of like, what, how is this falling in the heels of Felix Ever After? Um, there was also just like a lot of backlash to Felix as a black, queer, trans person. Um, and one of the conversations that happens with writers is, a lot with the craft of um characters and their arcs is that a lot of characters tend to make mistakes and then they learn from those mistakes and grow as a person that's like what a character arc is um, but the more marginalized you are the less space you have to make those mistakes before people are like you're just a bad person we're not going to give you the space to grow so this was definitely written in response to that as well with lark and Cassim um having conversations of whether they are able to have that space to grow or not um, Cassine especially being kind of like basically Felix 2.0 also of like I am angry black queer and trans in the world does not accept me um, so in connection to what you just asked I love neurodiver- <laughs> neurodivergent neurodivergent <brain. laughs> <laughs> um, I feel like social media is connected to that in whether we give people the space to grow or not whether we give people the um, space to be humans without making mistakes which every single human in the world is going to do Um, and of course there's so many different levels to that where it's like are you a human that is racist and is like you know trying to tear down another person because of their identity I feel like that is something that is um would take a lot of learning and growing to do (laughs) and not you know not everyone needs to give that person the space to do that um but then there's like on the other side of the spectrum where it's like Uh, Before I decided to take a step back from social media, people would make like not even really mistakes, just things that other people didn't necessarily agree with sometimes. And it was like the way they would get ripped apart really just for the entertainment sake of it. Um, And I have to be honest with myself. Was I a part of those conversations, too? Was I enjoying the like ripping apart of other people and being able to accept with myself that I'm not okay with that? And realizing I don't want to be a part of that, taking a step back um, and removing myself from that was like my own responsibility. That was a very long answer. I don't even remember what the original question was. So I apologize.
0: (laughs) No, no, no. I was fully, that was spectacular. How do you feel like that, how this book became the product of how your approach to social media?
2: So with that, like having learned so much about How I, as a black queer trans person, I'm not going to be given as much space necessarily to make mistakes and to learn and grow in like a public setting. And how I don't like seeing how people were making mistakes, using mistakes as a point of entertainment rather than a point of asking for accountability and giving that person like learning and growth space versus like the shaming, which is a, you know, accountability versus shaming. It's a big conversation in Larkin Cassine's book also. Um, I feel like that all played a role in me wanting to write just everything that I've learned about social media um, and the experience as an author into the book. I still feel like I didn't even answer your question.
0: (laughs) You fully did. That was wonderful. You're doing great.
1: We love it. (laughs) Um, So something that, I mean, we mentioned that we've gone viral. Something that I also related to in both of the books, not as much in Felix. I'll explain, is having a single parent home. And so in Felix, Felix has a single dad. And in Larkin, Kasim, Lark has a single mom. And in Felix, there is a a mom situation. And in Larkin, Kasim, it's a sperm donor situation. And then I was reading about, this is kind of an epic love story. And I think that one has a single parent household as well. And that was something that really moved me because, it, I mean, we're just saying the same thing over and over. Like we've never seen this before. Like I've I never read books that have happy single parent homes, and I just wondered if you could talk about that.
2: Yeah, I mean, my experience was growing up basically in a single parent home. So I'm sorry, I don't have like a deeply moving reason. It's really just because I don't know what it's like to have two parents in the home, and I, I wanted to authentically express what it's like to. Have deal with a parent and I I'm not sure what those conversations are like when you're kind of like arguing with mom and then dad or like another parent is there like tip like jumping in like I've never just experienced that so be more authentic to myself in the stories I have a single parent
1: Robert what's your favorite movie
0: oh Pleasantville what's yours
1: The Hours so neither of those movies are relevant to what I'm about to say (laughs) but on October 31st we are going to be talking about our new favorite movie, or perhaps our new least favorite movie, They Slash Them, starring Kev- Kevin
0: Bacon, Anna Klumsky, yeah. Yeah. Um, <gasps> Carrie Preston from True Blood, Whoa. Theo Germain, who's from oh, um, yeah. The that Politician. Way. And there's some other people in it too. I'm excited to watch it. Oh, directed by John Logan. You can go ahead and watch it on Peacock. You can get a little trial if you don't want to like pay for peacock. <laughs>
1: and... Yeah, do the seven-day free trial, just watch it and then
0: <laughs> and yeah. take
1: notes and then compare your notes with our episode.
0: And you might be like, Well, what if I don't trust Jay and Robert's opinion on movies? What if what if the movie club is my least favorite because all I get are Robert and Jay's opinions on these movies? What then, Jay?
1: Well, you're in luck because we will have our new friend, Nero with us. And I'm so sorry if I'm pronouncing your name wrong. I'm really trying. I'm just
0: trying. say the handle.
1: Yeah. With huge ass mammoth films. And we're so excited. We haven't even recorded the episode or seen the movie yet. We're just so excited that it's going to be like creepy and scary and fun and spooky for Halloween. And you can listen to it or you're going to your Halloween parties.
0: Uh, so go ahead and watch They Slash Them, and we will see you on Halloween. Ooh. Ooh.
1: <laughs> Speaking of social media, kind of, we'll go back to it. I just wanted to take the single parent detour. This book, uh, Lark and Kasim, has something I thought that was cool, which was there's no way that you, that you can see this on the camera. No, actually it's so, far away. Can.
2: so The character profile thing?
1: Yeah, the character profiles. <laughs> the profile. <laughs> Um, I thought that it's just so fun and helpful and, like, a great way to just meet a character and and immediately not have to go, like, Eli was born in this town and has never – and, like, just meet a character authentically. How did you come up with that? Because it was – the first one that happens is Kasim and it was so wild to me. I was like, whoa, you can do this. (laughs)
2: Yeah, I think that that's a, um, I I definitely got that from like manga, anime, like there would be like character profiles with the introduction. I don't know if they do that anymore. I'm so, I'm such an old millennial, but back in the day, like in the 90s, um, yeah, when a character was introduced, there would be like a page where it's like blowing sparkles and like flower petals blowing in the wind. And it's like the character profile with their like blood type
1: and everything. That is cool. Yeah. I've never read manga, but. but <laughs> you, that... did, you didn't have a manga phase? No, did you?
0: Yeah. Oh. Oh, yeah. Spent lots of money on $10 books. <laughs> right. And then
2: you would just read the book within like two hours. <laughs> yep, yeah,
0: And just put it on the shelf. <laughs> uh, so this book is actually, I- I'm not sure about you, but it's my first book that takes place in, a, in the pandemic, or it takes the pandemic into account in not a dramatic way. Um, Was it important to you to make sure that your readers knew that the pandemic isn't over or that it's uh, elongated? Or were you just reflecting on like today and this piece takes place now?
2: So this was actually um, the original version of the story was much more about the pandemic. And it was set like the first day was like basically January 2020 and the news is starting and it's kind of like the reader knows what's going to happen, but the characters don't know. Um, and as I was writing that story, because I really wanted to not run away from the pandemic, I think I just saw, like, a lot of writers saying, like, let's just pretend it didn't happen as we we're writing our books. And I was like, that's, to me, that just didn't feel as authentic because young readers are being affected by this. So I really wanted to take it heads on. But then as I started to actually attempt it, I was like, oh, God, this is depressing. <laughs> and <laughs> and on top of that, like, as we got to the quarantine phase, um, it was, I found like craft wise as a writer, it was just really hard to have the character find ways for the characters to interact, um, to have like that freedom of creativity where it's like they're at the party and there's conflict and you know they run into the park and they're having fun. Like all of those scenes are new because with quarantine, it was kind of like you're trapped in your, you know, you, you went through that, so you know. Um, so I went back to my editor and said, I feel like this. I feel just like trapped creatively. I just feel like I'm not really able to write the story um, I want to be writing. So shifted it, but it was important to uh, to keep the pandemic in to keep that into account. That yes, that is still affecting people today. That's affecting like mental health. That's affecting especially if you're marginalized. You yeah, know, I wanted to keep all of that in there too.
1: In this book, Larkin Kasim, there is a scene that I really loved where. Um, Mr. S, the teacher of their class, asks basically, like, what responsibility do we have as writers when we mess up or when we, you know, not mess up, but when we do something that might have hurt a person or a group of people? And I found that especially interesting because then I read that you made some changes to Felix Ever After. And those two things in conversation with each other sort of paint a picture of what your what your take on responsibility is. But I was interested to see if you have like more thoughts on it.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think that um, every human makes mistakes, right? But the issue is that as a writer, that means I have more people that are potentially harmed if the story is harmful and is reaching more audience versus like as a human being I'm speaking one-on-one I could say something that's harmful which is not great either but so I do feel like um, as writers it is human beings it's important to take accountability period Um, for writers I think that there's just a lot at stake because it's potentially so many more people Um, so basically for Felix Ever After and you know if anyone listening is curious I do have those changes up on my blog for caseencounter.com but Basically, yeah, I wanted to, I mean, I wrote Larkin Kassim first and then realized the mistake I'd made and had to make, needed to take accountability and make those changes. But it was kind of like an interesting synchronicity, I guess, where it's like, this is exactly what I was just writing about, um, needing to take accountability and the importance of that. And then experiencing that for myself as well.
0: So for those listening who are dying to get a hold of a copy of this book, what do you hope that they walk away with after reading this in comparison to some of your other work?
2: I think for Larkin's to Steam, I would really hope that people walk away with kind of like a really deeper understanding of how worthy of love each and every one of us are. With Felix, I felt like it was a, hey, oh, I think that I might be worthy of love and kind of like coming to that realization. But with Larkin Kasim kind of like the deeper practice of that um, was important to me. So I just hope that that is reson- that resonates
0: with people. Did you know that about once, I'd say a week, somebody hits me up on social media asking for the oh, Leah Michelle can't read video? I thought
1: we weren't going to talk about it. <laughs>
0: we're not but you know what they can all find us on social media at one more thing (laughs) a because i was taken and you can give us your thoughts on episodes if we moved you message us if you want to see behind the scenes content and sneak peeks at future episodes or you want to see our faces behind (laughs) these voices yeah we're hot go ahead and follow us give us a shout out Share the episode. Yeah, if you would post like. about us. Yeah, if you're really feeling this episode, share it. Tell get your little fingers
1: on your little keyboard and type. <laughs> I love one more thing.
0: And we will see you online. Yeah, we will. Are you ready for the game?
1: I am ready for the game. Great.
0: So we finish up every episode with our one more thing, which is just like a little extra tidbit at the end. Um, And for today, we are going to be casting the movie version of Lark and Kasim Start a Revolution. Is there anybody that you... And this can be a specific person or it can be just like the image of what you were thinking. Any ideas of like what that would look like if... If, you know, anybody out there is watching and is looking to produce.
2: <laughs> for Lark, I think i say in the book that Willow and Jaden Smith combined, basically. So if there's anyone that happens to look just like them together, that would be <laughs> perfect for Kasim. Um, I'm not totally sure. I think I would like a surprise.
1: I like the idea of newcomers like bursting onto the scene with this movie. I will say, when I read books, I picture the characters in my head. That's probably how everyone reads books. But whenever Lark's mom, I was about to say was on screen, was speaking in the novel, I was picturing Renee Elise Goldsberry. Oh. Because we just saw a preview of a movie where she plays the mother of a trans kid. And I was and I was like not to just lump her into all moms of trans kids, but I was like, oh, she she could do it. That's my thought.
0: Um. <laughs> I love it. I, you know, I I when I sat down to think about this, I was kind of like, I hate to bring up Ryan Murphy because like he okay. doesn't deserve to be brought in, brought up right now. But I think something along the lines of what he does, where he brings in a cast of like. 12 to 15 people that nobody's ever heard of because when I sat down I was like well I want to make sure that the people cast in the potential movie version of this are trans or are non binary and the proper representation and I couldn't really think of anybody in in Hollywood that would be the right age the right like not just a person of a certain gender but also right for the role and so I would love to bring in like Twelve to fifteen <laughs> uh,
1: Bring <him> newcomers.
2: <laughs> Let's pretend that you're the producer and this has actually happened.
1: <laughs> if any movie producers listen, we're, get it on the ground floor. <laughs> have there? You probably can't answer this. Have there been, ever been talks about movies of your books?
2: Um, I feel like it will hopefully become a TV series, um, was optioned, um, but it's been in the works for a bit, so I'm kind of, like, at the point of, like, keeping the fingers crossed, but, um, working the theme is, yeah, I don't know if I can, it's nothing, like, official, but I'm, like, gonna hopefully, um, hopefully something will happen.
0: Amazing. Well, everybody, go read this and blow it up on social media yeah. so that things do happen. <laughs> <laughs> is there any way that our listeners can go and support you in any way via social media, your website or anything you have coming up that they can look forward to?
2: I have taken a major step back from social media, as I might've said earlier. So um, I'm really only on Twitter at case calendar. I think it is um, where I will be posting like basically updates. So um, if you want to basically, I feel like it's a easier newsletter, easier for me. Um, And CaseEncounter.com, like I said earlier, is my website. If you want to check out my other book,
0: amazing! Well, everybody, go get your copy of Larkin Kasim. Start a revolution on September 27th,
1: and this will probably come out way closer to September 27th. So you really have no excuse if you're listening. S- September 27th could be in a week, it could be in two weeks. <laughs> 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 Who knows? It could be. It could have already happened. So everyone, go buy it. <laughs>
0: case thank you so much for coming in today and everybody go uh read some books <laughs> <laughs> thank you thanks for
1: having me thank, thank you, you. Bye. one more thing is produced by us jay and robert and also david zimmerman
0: thank you to abby davis for the artwork and gotham podcast studios for housing our full season five yeah
1: um, thank you of course, of course, to our patrons over at patreon.com slash one more thing, where you can be a one dollar patron or a five dollar patron. One dollar gets you a bonus episode every month, five dollars gets you a bonus video every month. You can also PayPal us a one-time donation at number one more thing podcast at gmail.com.
0: You can subscribe to us on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcasts and give us a little rate and review while you're at it.
1: And you can follow us on Instagram, Twitter and TikTok at one more thing with an a because i indeed was taken. That's it. Bye. Bye.